are living your story right now in this moment. You know, no two stories are alike. We are all unique. We all have a different lens through which we see the world. We all have something to contribute, to share, to be. That uniqueness takes courage. It's not easy to stand in your truth. It's not easy to let yourself be vulnerable, to be really seen, to be really heard. So many of us hide. So many of us stay hidden. So many of us make the choice to step forward, to own who we are, to own our stories, to share our voice. The tide is turning. We're moving into a space of deeper vulnerability, courage, authenticity, and love. We're moving closer to greater self-love, self-acceptance, honesty, and empowerment. To get there, to get to that space, means we have to authentically share who we are. It means we have to authentically show up as our true selves. The magic is in sharing who you are. The magic is in sharing your story. That's where this series comes in. Own your voice. Love yourself. Stay true to your story. Dive deep into your vulnerability. Shine in your authenticity. Once you do, there's no stopping you. Stay honest. Stay brave. Stay true to who you are. Welcome to Seek the Joy Podcast, the power of storytelling. Hi, my name is Kelly Pietrangeli, and I've been thinking about the stories that we tell. Too often we let stories from our past define us. We'll tell them over and over to ourselves and to others until it becomes our truth. But what if, without deviating from actual facts, we choose to tell different stories. And what if these new stories could bring us more freedom and strength? I'm going to share some true facts about my own life, and I'll follow each one with the stories I could be telling myself about each one, followed by the story I choose to go with. So here's fact number one. My father abused my teenage mother when she was pregnant with me and left us when I was just a few days old. I've never seen him again. The stories I could be telling myself right now, men are bad, men can't be trusted. The reason I can't hold on to a relationship is because my father left me. I'm unwanted, I'm unlovable. The true story I choose to go with, they were young, he felt trapped and scared. His fears must have driven him to behave very badly. He had his own issues from his own childhood. It sucks but it doesn't define me or shape my views of men or myself. If I'd held on to the negative self-talk or views about men, it could have prevented me from being the happy, loving, loved person I am today. Here's fact number two. In my tween and teen years, my mother worked nights in a factory, and I didn't see her before or after school. There was never a parent attending my school music and sporting events or awards presentations, and I found my own way home afterward, often walking back in the dark, freezing cold winters of Minnesota on my own. I got myself up into school on time, 
oversaw my own homework, dinner, and bedtimes, and often that of my younger brother, too. The story I could be telling? My mother didn't care about me. She was irresponsible. She put me in danger and neglected my needs. I have to fend for myself in this world or nobody else will. I need to look out for number one. This is why I'm lonely. This is why I never succeeded. I was handed a bum deal compared to my friends. I could have made more of my life if I'd felt supported and had good guidance at pivotal stages of my youth. Here's the story I choose to go with. My mother was doing the best she could with what she had. Being very independent from a young age taught me responsibility. I'm truly motivated to be present in the lives of my own children, attending their events, encouraging and offering guidance. The past has definitely made me a better mother. Fact number three. The boyfriend I fell madly in love with in my 20s verbally and physically abused me until I was finally hospitalized with cracked ribs. I gave up my career and possessions in California to move to London to be with him. I knew nobody there except his friends. The stories I could be telling myself now? History repeats itself. I was abused because my father abused my mother. I deserved it for being such an idiot. Moving abroad for somebody I barely knew? I'm not worthy of proper love and respect. Men are all assholes. Here's the story I choose. I didn't know my boyfriend well enough before I moved abroad to be with him. I felt unable to move back to the U.S. as I'd given up my job, home, life, car, everything there. I continued to stay with him for too long out of fear and ignorance. But I'm smarter now. I learned what I don't want in a relationship, and it enabled me to recognize what I do want and to find it. I'm stronger and I know myself now. I love myself. I am worthy. Do you know anybody who's been dealt a crappy deck and now tells the first kinds of stories? Do they blame past circumstances for their present life? Do they begrudge the people who've mistreated them along the way? Which stories from your past do you tell yourself and others over and over? Are these stories helping you or might they be holding you back? Rewriting the script in your head isn't easy, especially if you've been telling it for a very long time. I've got a few ways to begin to dump the old stories and replace them with new ones. These are things that I've done, and I'm going to share them with you to see if any of them might work for you. Number one, recognize when you're telling the story and press your mental pause button. Stop giving it fuel. Number two, write down the fact, as I've done, and then the story you're presently telling. Now, write a more positive interpretation of it. What good has come out of it? What have you learned? How would it feel if you dropped the old story and told a new one? Explore this on paper and see what it brings up. Number three, use EFT tapping, emotional freedom technique. It's effective for bringing your story to the surface, getting real about your feelings, and then changing the narrative around it. For deep-rooted stuff, work with a qualified EFT practitioner. There are lots of different things out there now. I've been working with a with an energy alignment coach, a coach who teaches me how to bring up the old stuff and recognize it, but then completely, that's called a motion code practitioner, that's it. So there are lots of people out there who are gifted and can help you with the more deep-seated stuff that you need help 
bringing to the surface and coming to terms with. There are so many great things out there. So be open-minded to getting that kind of outside help. Number four, practice loving what is. Have a notebook handy as you read the book, Loving What Is by Byron Katie. Write your answers to her four powerful questions. It only works when you do the work. This book single-handedly healed my relationship with my mother, and I highly recommend it. It's called Loving What Is by Byron Katie. Self-limiting beliefs often stem from stories you're clinging on to that aren't serving you. They hold you back from true happiness and success. Begin to bring a gentle awareness to these stories and see if you can give them new meaning. It isn't about forgetting your past and making things up. It's about choosing to tell the truth in a less victimizing and more empowering way. What have I learned by sharing this story with you today? Well, it's reminding me that although I've tackled some really huge stories in my life that could have held me back, I also need to continue to be aware of the smaller stories I tell myself each day, which aren't in my best interest like reading too much into something someone says or dwelling on something that happened yesterday, which doesn't need to affect my happiness today. My biggest dream is to be a guest speaker and workshop facilitator at retreats all over the world. I want to share the framework for how I created my own project, Me, 10 years ago, and how others can do the same. I also want to drive around around in a mobile library bus delivering books to kids in villages all over South America. I've had this on my vision board, and I need to begin taking those first small step actions to make it happen. I'm holding myself publicly accountable here for doing that. Thank you, Sydney, and everyone listening. Here's to seeking the joy. Hi, my name is Natalie and I'm from the United Kingdom and I would like to share my story with you which I entitled From Ashes to Beauty. I know what it's like to constantly cry yourself to sleep at night on a constant basis feeling as if no one cares, no one cares, not having no comfort, no peace of mind feeling as if your life is not even worth living. At the age of 16, I was raped. And that took such a huge toll on my life. I became depressed. And I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody. You know, my family are so loving and so kind and so open. But I just didn't feel like I could actually open up and talk to them. So I kept it a secret. I kept silence. And I held in all the pain, all the blame and all the shame. I held that in, feeling as if it was my own fault. Two years later, the abuse that had happened when I was 16 took took such a huge toll on my life that my self-confidence and my self-esteem was low. I didn't have any. And so I ended up in a relationship for several years that was so toxic. And I went through domestic violence. (laughs) You see, domestic violence can happen to anyone. It doesn't matter what age, gender, 
level of education or even your social background. At that time, I was 18 years old and he was several years older than me. And we started off very caring, very loving, but he became like a Jekyll and Hyde. Years later, there came a point where I just couldn't take it anymore. I just felt like I couldn't do this relationship anymore. It was draining me. You know, I had always had faith in God and I believed that God would take me out of the situation. And so I took a step of faith. It wasn't easy. But I knew that this was not my lot in life. This relationship was toxic and I needed to go. And so I made the brave decision of breaking up with him, which by then we had broken up many times and I've always gone back. But this time I knew it was different. I knew it was different. And I moved away and I said, I do not want this relationship anymore. And I can say, no, it did not end easily. There was a lot of times I had to call the police and get a restraining order. Because, as you know, sometimes once you leave an abusive partner, they say the end part of a relationship can be the worst. And I had to get a restraining order to protect myself from my ex-partner. And I never looked back. And my life has not been great. But from me moving away from this relationship, it was the best thing I ever happened to me. And I built back my life step by step. And I can say that there is hope. There is light out of every dark tunnel. You know, I hope my story can bring encouragement and to know that no matter what you've gone through in life, you can reclaim back your life. There is hope. And I would say that one thing I've learned about myself through sharing my story is that I choose to live by this quote. Never let a bad situation bring out the worst in you. Choose to stay positive. Vibrate higher. And that's what I've done. And through my many experiences, I actually created an awareness um, online. It's called Butterflies. And it brings awareness to other women and men who have gone through rape, sexual abuse or domestic violence. And it's like a support group um, and just words of encouragement and hope. And my biggest dream is to create awareness and to shed light that no matter the darkness, there is light. You can become that beautiful butterfly. You can blossom. You can grow. You know, sometimes in life, we feel as if our life has, 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 has tore us down and, and we're broken into millions of tiny pieces. But out of those ashes, there is beauty. It will take time. It will take work. I learned to rebuild back myself, my self-esteem, my self-confidence and my self-love and self-respect. It was a journey. But I'm here and I can truly say there is beauty 
from my ashes. That sometimes in life, we go through things that can really break us. But then those things that break us, those broken pieces, God can use. And we can use it for experiences. And it can create a masterpiece. And it can create a stepping stone, not just for yourself, but for those who have gone through those same experiences. So my message is a message of hope and it's of encouragement and light and love. And I hope you all was touched and encouraged by my story that there is beauty from ashes. Thank you. It's a cold December afternoon here in London. I'm wandering around the house, having not left for weeks. The only access I've had to outside has been in the back seat of a car, where I've been ducking my head to not be seen out of the car window. As such was the level of self-loathing and pain I was experiencing at that time. Upon rummaging through my kitchen cabinet and fridge, I stumble upon a bottle of vodka and I decide to experiment with something to numb the pain and find a way out of my troubles once and for all. I simultaneously go into the medicine cabinet and find as many pills as I can and begin taking them all. Fast forward a few weeks and I'm in another room. I'm with my mum and a psychic and we are talking about my current situation, uh, how it got to that stage, the pain I'd been under. I've seen many different therapists up until that point. I was only 17 years old, but this finally struck a chord with me as I realized that a lot of what I had been experiencing wasn't my fault and that I still had a greater purpose here on this planet and a mission. I couldn't help thinking how I got to this stage in my life. Everything on the surface seemed so perfect. I was academically bright at school, getting straight A's. I was gifted at all different kinds of subjects, ranging from maths and English, the sciences. I was a star rugby player at my school, having been chosen for the uh, county level of the rugby team and the rugby squad. And I had also been an active musician, having played gigs, I taught myself piano, and I'd routinely gotten praise for my physical appearance as well, which I found hard to believe. So on the outside looking in, everything seemed perfect. I was the son of a highly successful music executive, and we lived a very abundant lifestyle. Our family could travel whenever we wanted to wherever we wanted, in relative luxury, five-star hotels, occasionally flying business class. It was a dream life on the surface. But deep down in my soul and in my mind, I was in a hell of a lot of pain. I didn't understand why, because the outside world was mirroring back to me that I should feel different. I should feel better. And that fundamentally there must be something wrong with me if I am feeling this level of 
guilt, shame and self-hatred. My parents got divorced when I was 12 years old. Up until that point, I had been a very, very excited, optimistic young boy who felt he could do anything. My family was equally as well off back then, as successful, and I felt like I had no limits. Perhaps even a little bit arrogant or naive. I never thought that my parents would split up, but I always felt as if it could happen. There came a point where I was sat in a therapist's room with a counsellor and she was talking about divorce. And when I heard that word, I couldn't believe it. I had felt as if my parents would get back together again. My dad, when he left, said that he was trying and that my mum needed to get better and only then would he come back. He never directly told me. And so for months, I prayed and waited. I even wrote him a letter begging him to come home, but he never did. It was at that point that I also started secondary school and I had been through a massive growth spurt which had shifted my identity. I was now the tallest kid in the year, so I had all the attention put upon me and I stood out. When I first walked into the school, I was standing in the queue for lunch and one of the new boys in my year asked me, why are you so tall? And I was silent. I felt so judged. I felt so exposed and vulnerable. And in a matter of months, my whole structure of my past came crashing down. When after returning from a birthday party, my parents came into our office, sat down on the floor and told me my dad was moving out. Sitting in another room with that psychic four years later, it becomes clear to me now what had happened during that time and why four years had passed, how I had ended up in a room trying to find the reasons for why I had become suicidal, why I had attempted to twice to be able to commit suicide and, and end this pain. And I realised that I was desperately lonely but I had no idea why. People would give me praise, people would compliment me, say I was great, but I couldn't believe it. I was in pain and I felt bad and guilty. I felt responsible for my mother because she was suffering. I remember saying to myself when my dad left that you're the man of the house now. And I felt a duty to protect and take care of my mum. The breakdown which initiated the suicides took place when I was on holiday with a family friend of ours and my own family. It was my mum and my brother, one of my closest friends and his family, his mum, his brother and his sister. Both of our parents had birthdays at the same time during that holiday. And the contrast was so shocking that it basically triggered this negative spiral into despair and self-hatred, which led to those suicide attempts. His parents were still together and his mother, his father had rented a limousine and we went to a fancy restaurant and it was a wonderful evening. By contrast, I barely had any gifts, only a card, because it was difficult for my 
my father to want to provide for my mother after they had split. And on her birthday, my younger brother had an allergic reaction and my mother had to take care of him all day. And I felt so guilty, so responsible that I snapped. And during that summer, I left school. I canceled my rugby tour home away to my native South Africa. I canceled a trip to Russia for my politics exam. And after trying for a couple of weeks to go back, the level of self-hatred that I had and pain was so great that I left altogether. Fast forward another few years until the present day, and a lot has happened since then. I left school again after falling deeply and madly in love with a girl and her not being able to reciprocate. I shot myself in the foot again and I realized that the pain and the neediness that I was experiencing was directly making me more unattractive. And the expectations that I had on myself because I was getting praise and I was on the surface supposed to be thriving and enjoying my my teens and my life because I had everything wasn't paying off. I knew that girls liked me, but whenever I opened my mouth, the attraction came to a grinding and violent halt. And I came to the conclusion that if anyone else had had what I had in my life, that they would be killing it in life. They would be succeeding. But not me. And at my core, there must be something fundamentally wrong with who I am as a person. And I carried that belief with me for years. And the longer time went on where I didn't have a girlfriend and I wasn't being successful at school socially, I became more and more empty on the inside and the hatred just kept growing and growing. And so on that quest for finding reasons and meaning for why I was suffering so much even though I had everything on the surface. I came to the fundamental realization that some abuse and some neglect can't be seen. And that's to do with our emotions. We all have our own perceptions, a whole, a whole world onto ourselves where we can see things completely different to another person. And if someone else is not willing to see your perspective and only projects what they see from the outside onto you without fully understanding you, you are left feeling alone, isolated and in despair. And so my quest to understand why I was suffering led me towards healing, led me towards spirituality and really dissecting and understanding what emotional health is, what mental health is, how we need connection, and the dangers of parallel perceptual realities, which is the internal worlds that we all experience. Some of us, we say, are on the same page, and we can relate, and we build rapport with those people, and we feel a deep sense of connection. The isolation fades, and we feel safe. Other times, people contradict us 
They may even gaslight us into believing. That's not what happened. I don't see it that way. And that can leave us feeling alone and isolated, even in a room full of people. And that's the message I want to share with you, is that while I've managed to survive my troubles and come out of it with greater knowledge and resources to share with my clients and my friends and family, the importance of becoming aware and interested in another person's internal world to have compassion and understanding for their perceptions, to see, hear, and validate them is the key to making them no longer feel alone. I believe that the high rate of male suicide in our world is because of this. Not only because we as men feel that it's weak to be able to express our vulnerability, but having overcome these challenges and many others, my gift and message for all of you is that please, if you find that anyone is suffering, you can help them not just by finding professional help, because that may shame them, but really actively being interested in their internal world, how they feel on the inside, how they see things, and put yourself in their shoes. By providing that unconditional presence and support without judgment, they will heal automatically and very quickly. It can be a great risk to be able to shame someone inadvertently by saying, oh, you have a mental health issue or you should go see a therapist, etc. That shoots oneself in the foot and puts them into a place of further hating and shaming. So my advice really would be to empower people by listening to them, understanding them, making them feel like they belong and taking an active interest in their internal world. Ask them how they are. Ask them what they think. And the key to healing most of our mental health issues will come from that deep sense of connection that we are all craving, that deep intimacy that we all desire. What I've learned from sharing my story is that I have a natural ability to be able to articulate and state things in a way that can be understood and it's filled me with confidence that I can tell my story much more easily. It's really helped frame things and put things into perspective and I feel a tremendous sense of achievement and accomplishment to be able to share it with the people here and um, I'm just very grateful to have this opportunity to share it on this podcast, so thank you. My biggest dream is to see a world where people are empowered to create their own reality, where we reform a lot of the societal expectations and systems of socialization, of good versus bad, right versus wrong, that shames us and keeps us fragmented as people. I want to see a world where everyone is universally accepted for who they are, where diversity is apparent and the boundaries and borders and structures that are in place serve us. I want to see a world in the community where people can manifest the life of their dreams, where we can create new fantastic energy resources and technologies which serve people, get healing modalities and techniques out into the public and take down big pharmaceutical companies or anything 
that would impede us based on money and time and resources from it being uh, available to the masses. I wanted to create intentional communities based on permaculture and fractal geometry in order to really create a sense of harmonization and togetherness because we as human beings, we need our tribe, we need connection and togetherness, we need to support one another and provide resources emotionally, mentally, physically and spiritually. So that would be my ultimate dream. Thank you. This is Seek the Joy podcast, the power of storytelling. Join us, share your story. For more information and to get involved, visit seekthejoypodcast.com. This series airs the third week of every month. And make sure to join us for Seek the Joy Tuesday. Until then, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for being here. And thank you for listening. Thank you.